This morning, coming from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. As he sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. A pastor from Phoenix, Arizona shared the story about his father and another man who got to know each other because they were both spending lots of time in a hospital waiting room because both of their wives were battling a life-threatening illness. And so over the hours they spent there together, they talked about their lives, their families, their children, their jobs, their hobbies, things they enjoyed. And finally, and eventually, about their churches. The first man said, I'm a Lutheran. The second fellow said, oh my, I'm a Lutheran too. Where do you go to church? And the first man said, oh, I go to this Lutheran church right down the street. How about you? And the second fellow said, oh, I go to the Lutheran church called Community Church of Joy. And the first man said, "Um, I've heard of that church. And the second man said, oh, really? What have you heard? He said, I've heard they're not really Lutheran. And he said, oh no, we're Lutheran. We, we do have very contemporary styles of worship that we practice, but theologically, we're very Lutheran. And the man said, I don't think so. And he said, well, why not? He said, well, I hear that you all let anyone in. You can have that conversation in about any mainline denomination because we have standards and expectations of behavior. We expect our lives to be shaped and formed because we're disciples of Christ in a certain way. And so sometimes it's difficult not to become a barrier. Sometimes people get skeptical when lots of new people begin to pour into a church, especially if those new people look different and don't exactly have the same standards and values and doctrines and understand them as we do when they arrive. It's great to be shaped and formed by Christ, no doubt. But this becomes a problem when it becomes a barrier for others who need and want to be a part of the family of Christ. Hannah was a committed church member. She wanted to uphold the standards of her church. 
She was the self-appointed monitor of morality for her little church. She liked to keep an eye on people. She liked to make sure that they were minding their P's and Q's and not reflecting poorly on the church. There was a new fellow in their church, Henry, that she got to know. But then one evening, she saw Henry's pickup truck parked at the local bar. She could not believe it. The next time she saw Henry, she brought it up in front of the church and said, I saw your truck, I know what you were doing, and began to attack him right there in front of everyone. She said, of course, everybody knows what you're doing when they see your truck parked outside of a bar. He started to object and try to explain. She went right on, basically saying he may no longer be fit to be a part of their little church. Henry stared at her for a moment, and then he just turned and walked away without trying to explain or defend or deny anything she had said. Then later on that Sunday evening, Henry got in his pickup truck, drove over to Hannah's neighborhood, quietly pulled up in front of her house, parked his truck, got out, closed and locked the door, and walked home. Mark tells us an interesting and illuminating story about how Jesus treated other people, even those who weren't making the same choices he was making, even those who weren't living the same lifestyle he was living. Did you hear how he sees Levi, he's sitting in a tax booth, so presumably he's a tax collector, one that most Jews would think was a traitor, one who was cooperating with the Romans, their reputation is that they were harsh and unfair in their treatment of the Jews. But Jesus sees him and says to him, follow me. And Mark tells us, and Levi got up and followed him. But did you notice that in the very next verse, the scene changes dramatically? Did you notice they do not head for religious services? Did you hear that in verse 15? Right after Mark tells us that Levi is going to follow Jesus in verse 15, he tells us that Jesus is sitting at dinner in Levi's house. There are many tax collectors and sinners who are also sitting with Jesus and his disciples. So Jesus has called him to say, Come, follow me. But they don't go to the synagogue. They don't go to the temple. They're not having a Bible study. They're not in a prayer meeting. They're at a dinner party. Jesus has gone to the house of the one he just called, this despised one in the eyes of the appropriately religious folk, and he's having dinner with Levi and his friends. It can be a little disturbing when Jesus does things like this. He seems very comfortable. In that setting, having dinner with this tax collector, with all of these sinners, he seems like he thinks it's a very appropriate thing 
to do to sit with them and build a relationship on their turf at a place where they are comfortable. But why? Why is he doing this? That's what the righteous folks of the day ask his disciples. Why is he doing this? That might be your question as well. Jesus answers it for us in verse 17. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Jesus says the mission is to reach out to sinners. We could paraphrase it and use the language of the sermon series this month and say that Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners because they are hungry for the gospel, because it's a gospel-hungry world out there, and God is looking for someone to reach out and invite them in to this life that we have found that's become so meaningful to us. The good news is Jesus neither condemns the righteous nor the sinners. There's no condemnation in this passage, right? Verse 17, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Now, of course, on the one hand, we are all sinners and stand in need of God's grace through Jesus Christ. But Jesus is making a little different point here, I think. I think the point for us, those of us who are already committed, is that we're supposed to do as he did. Our need is to follow Christ now that we have made a commitment to do so. Our call is to join in the work to join Jesus where he is reaching out and associating and socializing and engaging with sinners. The challenge of this story, it seems to me, is that it raises for us a question about our behavior. I put a couple of questions in your outline. Am I hanging out with any sinners? Am I drawing others into this life I profess that I have said is the most important thing in all of my life to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Have I shared that news with others? Have I invited others in? Am I willing to follow Jesus in this kind of work? I feel challenged. When Jesus acts like this, I feel challenged by this kind of story. I have spent my life in the church. I am the most comfortable here. And yet the gospel calls, calls for us as followers of Christ to reach out and invite others in. That if we see someone who's sick or sinning, to offer them healing and wholeness rather than judgment or condemnation. Rather than putting a hand up, we're to extend an invitation in. When I struggle with this, Dr. Amy Oden in her new book has really been helpful. 
She's written this book called God's Welcome. I've been telling you about all this month. She frames her writing in this particular book around four marks of what she calls gospel hospitality. We've looked at three of them already. We looked at readiness. We looked at risk. We looked at recognition last week in terms of having eyes of faith to see as God sees. Today I find the fourth mark, repentance, a good word for me. Dr. Oden points out that this whole idea of repentance has to do with turning. But she says too often we, we make a mistake, we make a wrong turn as Christians when we begin to think it's all on us. I want to read you a few sentences she writes about this. When we talk about gospel hospitality, we usually think first of how we welcome others. To cultivate a spirituality of hospitality, we need to back up a bit and focus first on God as the source of any welcome we might offer. This shifts our attention slightly, reframing the starting place for hospitality. When we focus first on God's welcome instead of on our own, we begin to pay attention in new ways to see God's welcoming work as our source. So when we feel inadequate or over-challenged to respond to this gospel call, Dr. Odin is saying it's an invitation to turn back toward God, to look back Toward God that we do best when we think of God as our source, as our creator and redeemer and sustainer. We do best when we turn back to God. A related point that she raises is the caution for us to think deeply about our limits when offering gospel hospitality. She speaks of our finitude and reminds us only God is infinite. And she says, logically then, that means we can say yes to lots of things, but at some point we run into those limits and we must necessarily say no. She writes about it like this. She says, Jesus invites us to lay down the illusion that we can do it all and instead embrace saying yes and saying no. She writes this way. She says, I'm not gifted or called in every ministry of the church. It is okay for me to say that I have gifts for music ministry, but not for working with small children. I have time to be a greeter on a Sunday morning, but not to sponsor the youth lock-in. In fact, only by saying yes and saying no can we live honestly in God's life. The truth is, we deceive others when we pretend we will meet all their expectations and needs. Remembering God as our source, and remembering that God is also everyone else's source, keeps us grounded in healthy Christian living. We may be a part of how God meets another's need, but we must remember we're only a part. That God is at work in us, but also beyond us. So it may not be that I need to do more. It may be that I need to be clearer about what my role is in God's work in the world. 
St. Paul writes often in his letters about the fact that God gives gifts to the church, that God gives gifts through individuals to the church, that in fact God has given gifts to each and every one of us to be shared for the common good, for the good of the whole. But he talks about how important it is to recognize that we are not all receiving the same gift, that there's a diversity just like there is in a human body and we need to all represent the gift that God has given us. I was thinking of that when I read a story recently about a church who was really trying to improve their welcome, to improve their hospitality. They had recruited a whole new group of greeters and trained them to be friendly and smiling at the door. They'd printed a new brochure and said, give this to people the first time they come. It will tell them about our church. So sure enough, the next Sunday morning, a young couple who had never been to the church came to the door and the greeters were there and ready and they welcomed them. They gave them the brochure and then they led them to the sanctuary. It was a very nice welcome. The next week, the same young couple came back to the church, but this time there were a different couple of people standing at the door. So they welcomed them and pulled out the brochure and gave them brochure about the church and led them to the sanctuary. Again, it was a very nice welcome. The young couple had enjoyed being there. They came back the third week. Guess what? There's a different couple of people at the door so they welcome them and they go to grab the brochure out of the rack to give it to them and the young couple declines says no thank you so they start to lead them to the sanctuary they say we know the way and they go alone now the church was trying really hard but they were all doing the same thing so their welcome was not very deep and because they hadn't utilized the diversity and the individuality of the members of their congregation the welcome lacked genuineness how nice it would have been for the young couple by the third visit if someone else had spoken to them but nobody else had nobody had called how nice it would have been if someone invited them to choir or, or, or to Sunday school or maybe even to go to lunch. But no invitations had been extended. The greeters were friendly, but the welcome ended there. What are your gifts? What gifts has God given you? that you might use to reach another one for Christ? What role will you play in offering Christ to another? Where might that happen? So often we think it only happens on Sunday morning at our building, but just in our story today, Mark tells us that the first place Jesus is is out at the lake. He's walking along the seashore. So that might be one place. Then he goes to dinner. That might be another place. Oh, certainly there are other stories about Jesus and his disciples going to the synagogue, being at the temple. But sometimes he just gathers a bunch of them. They go on a road trip and they talk to everybody along the way. Where might it be for you? Mark tells us that Jesus saw Levi and said, Come, come. Follow me. 
and they went to dinner. Levi followed, and they went to dinner. The call of Christ echoes through the ages. Jesus is still saying to us, come, follow me. Where is Jesus leading you? Will you follow? Is he inviting you to help feed a gospel-hungry world? To reach out to those who need hope and help and healing? Is there a gift God has given you that you might use to offer Christ to another? Those questions are important for us to ponder. Amen. And thanks be to God.